everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to episode 49. I'm glad you're here. We're almost on episode 50. Can you believe it? But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. 49 is going to rock. Our special guests are Stephen and Jess Lauder. Now, before I tell you about Stephen and Jess, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and share with others. And also follow us on Instagram, at IDareYouPod. There you'll find exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Now, Stephen and Jess Lauder, they are a husband and wife whose passion for hunting and love for the outdoors, you don't need to look very far or listen very long to hear that from them. Stephen was a Marine Scout sniper. They both have busy careers. And they live in eastern Idaho. And we have listeners all around the world. In fact, Spotify, uh, at the year-end 2022, they gave us a report on where our listeners are. U.S. and Canada are number one and number two countries. We have over 31 countries to listen to the I Dare You podcast. Let me just take a minute, if you're unfamiliar with the United States geography. Stephen and Jess are from eastern Idaho, which is about two hours away from Yellowstone, about three hours from Bozeman, Montana, about two hours away from Jackson, Wyoming, which is close to the Grand Tetons. And where they are in Idaho is just, what, probably two and a half hours away from Sun Valley, Idaho, about four hours away from Boise. So it is in the middle of God's country and just so many natural wonders. And people come from all over the world to this part of Idaho. And this is where Stephen and Jess live. Now, they started their company, Way Up West Outdoors, three and a half years ago with the intention of a few things. They wanted to share their lessons of hunting and nature uh, that they've learned in the field with others. They also wanted to motivate people to get out and train for the hills, train for the experience, and to share their experiences and knowledge to future generations, and also to share the dynamic that is apparent, and you'll hear it, of a husband and wife hunting team. Now, here's what you're going to learn. You're going to be reminded that any big goal requires a lot of sacrifice and commitment. Also, fitness and hard work, it's the foundation of what they do and the ethos of their hunting style. They're big into CrossFit. In fact, they're members of Maltese CrossFit. For those that know of CrossFit, you know that Maltese CrossFit is one of the finest, finest gyms in all of North America. Listen to how they've also using CrossFit and fitness as a way to keep them on track, both physically and also mentally. And you're also going to get some tips about building a strong marriage. Even though they don't say it out loud, listen for it. And you're going to learn how sometimes a little adventure is a good thing. Life can get kind of easy and cushy. And sometimes you just need a little adventure to remind yourself that you can do hard things. They have two films in what's called the Full Draw Film Tour, similar to Warren Miller or the Banff Film Fest, a series of short films that tours the country showing strictly archery hunting films. Now, when you follow them on Instagram, you'll notice that this filming and video editing is top-notch. And you'll understand why in just a minute. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here is Stephen and Jess Lauder. So Stephen and Jess, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you guys here. I've been so looking forward to this, you have no idea. <laughs> well, we've been nervous, so that's uh, <laughs> it's great. You are a husband and wife. You're a hunting duo. And you guys love the outdoors. You, you just, you are passionate about it. I, I got to know, where did all of this start? Jess, to you, where did all this passion for the outdoors begin for you and also for you guys as a couple? I think it was in my blood from the beginning. Um, my dad hunted um, a little different purpose for my dad. It wasn't the sense of adventure. It wasn't the epic hunts. It was literally just to put meat in our freezer, but it was still an adventure for me as a kid, you know, tromping yeah. around in the woods, following him. And then 
I was just a bystander for a long time and then finally got to hunt when I was like 16, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And I really didn't know if it was something for me. Um, cause you know, taking a life, even if it's a deer or an elk or any kind of animal, it's, it's heavy. But, um, I killed that first year and I saw my dad jump up and down on the mountainside and I was like, Oh yeah, I, I can do this. This is, is, that this right? is awesome. So that was kind of in my, uh, when I was looking for a, a partner in life that was up there as to he's got to hunt and do all the things and I get to go. So, cause it would be real <laughs> awkward if I had to leave my husband behind for a couple of weeks out of the year to go hunting with my dad. Yeah. So I wanted to share it with my spouse. So that's great. Steven, how about for you? Uh, where, where did, where did your uh, passion for the outdoors and hunting begin? Where, where did you grow up and how'd you get to Idaho? So I actually grew up in California, uh, which is not what most people think of when they think of like an outdoorsy state. But uh, my dad grew up in Utah. He grew up hunting. Um, then he had me and my brother who and then kind of as, you know, life progresses, kind of got out of hunting. My brother's five years older than I am. And he got back into hunting, which kind of drug the whole family back into it. So um, after I mean, he's five years older than I am. He started when he was 12. So it's basically been in my blood since I was six, seven years old. and. Yeah, just kind of went full bore from there on out. I was in the Marines. That was from uh, 2010 to 2014. I went uh, basically all over the world. Marines kind of stick with the Navy at times and they live on the boats. And so I got to see Africa, Asia, uh, Japan. I mean, everywhere all on that East Pacific side. All right, Steven. So you're in the military uh, all over the world. How did the military background prepare you for way up West outdoors and hunting and and uh, filming and editing and all that you're doing right now? Um, actually it's kind of intertwined really. Uh, so the hiking and everything else, and just the mental toughness of it all that the military and Marines, especially like just really grind into you. Um, we were talking about this the other day of how many like bad situations we've been in just cold, wet, freezing, like really tough situations where the quit isn't there, which I think, which, uh, probably attributes to a lot of our success of when it's bad weather, we just stick it out. And that's something I can say I was, I didn't have before the military, the military definitely made me a lot tougher than I was. I was definitely a California boy, unfortunately. So, um, and the other thing was, is I, I started falling in love with cameras. Um, so my platoon, I was in a sniper platoon. Most of what this being a sniper is, is reconnaissance. And we carry these giant cameras around and you have to learn to take pictures in the dark and edit and ship and send information back. So that was kind of like my first really like, um, deep dive into photo and editing it wasn't exactly like you know photography of like landscape and nice things it was you know photographs of vehicles and people and that kind of stuff but that was the first like real um when i realized i was like cameras are cool <laughs> so, that's cool no that, yeah. that's great and you know for those of you that are not yet following uh, them on instagram you are at help me out guys way up west outdoors correct that's it. what a follow you guys what were you not only not only your adventures fun to fo to follow but your filming and editing is just top notch and i was steven i i'm just really impressed so if you're listening to this podcast and if you live in uh, out west or wherever if you're if you're big into the hunting or outdoors and nature you probably have lived some of this, but I guarantee you, you have, you have not seen this before. And especially if you if you grew up and live in the suburbs, <laughs> you've you've not you've not seen this. And uh, it's just such a great follow. So I really enjoy following you guys. So make sure you do follow up way up west outdoors. All right, now, hey Jess, let's go to you. Um, you wrote a blog, and the question is, do you hunt because your husband hunts? Ooh, and yeah. uh, you you 
took to it and you said, no, that's, that's, that's not because my husband hunts. It's because I enjoy, what do you love most about being outdoors and doing what you're doing at way up West? Oh man, that's, that's the million dollar question. That's my favorite question. <laughs> um, I like the peace and the quiet and the, just being somewhere wild, you know, being, being, we've seen a lot of things that most people will never see. We've seen thousands of sunrises, sunsets, you know, all the wild animals, bears, wolves, mountain lions, just, we've seen some things that a lot of people don't see. We've stood at, you know, 10,000 foot peaks in October and in the snow and with an elk on our backs. Like we've just, that's what I love. Just the, the adventure about it and the, and the, the things that, you know, I'm sure there's hobbies out there that people are like, Oh, we do these special things that nobody else says. And that's what this is for us. A lot of people don't see this. Yeah. 10,000 feet with an elk on your back. I safe to say I've never done that. I've been at Starbucks on the weekend, but that doesn't quite count. <laughs> You've done that too. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Stephen? All right. So, so Jess kind of painted that picture of some of the things you've seen. What have you two experienced? What are some of the standout moments that as you just look back on it, you guys are a young, young couple. We've got a lot of runway ahead of you, but so far, what are some of these standout moments you guys have experienced? That's something we've thought we talk about quite a bit, actually, as a husband and wife and something we think makes us like stronger as a husband and wife is because we experience the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs we've seen each like other. What? Like what? Like what? Like hiking in on probably the biggest mule deer you've ever seen in your entire life, getting within just about range and then busting that deer after you spent four or five hours trying to get into it. And then it just doesn't work out on day five of a hunt where you're hot, tired, sweaty, and, and it doesn't work out. And then three days later, she makes a perfect stock on another deer and and then it just goes from like, you think it's not going to work out to, I mean, just failure after failure after failure to success. And then all the work, literally 365 days of year of work for us comes to like that one arrow. And wow. so that, yeah, that's uh, the highest of the highs is like, is an understatement. What, what is that moment like Jess, when you have put in all the work and you have the moment when it's, it's the arrow is, and I'm using the wrong language because I'm not a hunter, but bow and the arrow, you're ready to release. Yeah, What's that moment it. like? It's just got to be a physical and emotional, just mm -hmm. chaos going on. What yeah. was it like? Yep. So just using this deer that I, um, this actual particular hunt, he's talking about in Nevada from August. That was day eight of just, it was more of like a, a, a mental a mentally tough hunt for us. It was super hot. It was, it was hard hunting. I was the only one with the tag. Usually we both have tags. So more dogs in the fight. Right. And it was just, it was all on me. And I felt a lot of pressure for that. And then I'd made some mistakes during the right. week. And then I knew that if I could get in on this buck before he stood up from his bed, that it was going to be all on me. There was going to be no blaming of anything else. It wasn't going to be the deer. It wasn't going to be, you know, whatever. And honestly, I had a lot of time to stand on top of him before he stood up from his bed. So it was just me in my head no, saying over and over, like what to do, like, you know, find your anchor, find your peep, like just basically my shot process over and over in my head and knowing that this is my one shot. This is my one opportunity to seal the deal, to be successful and everything just, we shoot our bows so much that everything executed flawlessly. It was muscle memory. I, you know, we, we watched so many animals, so many, you know, days out of the year that I knew right when he was going to stand up, you just learn their behavior. And so I drew my bow as he stood up and everything just fell into place from there. And what a moment. 
And then I immediately hit my knees and started like hyperventilating and like, cause I was so hot and so just depleted. I'm standing in my socks in like the blazing sun, like high noon, like sweating, like just, yeah, it was, it was a huge emotional roller coaster for me. Well, I, yeah, Stephen, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. The one thing that if I know you have a lot of listeners that aren't hunters and I think people have a very, like a view of hunters of that, we call them like that Bubba hunter you know, that drives around in the truck and drinks beer and shoots deer outside the window. I was going to ask you about that. Right. Tell me more. <laughs> that's, that's like, it's uh, that, that what she just described as the hunting. We are what we do and what most people do. Most people work very, very hard and they care very, very much about the animal is like she said in the very beginning, taking life is heavy. Um, so when you get to that point, you want to do it successfully, make the kill quick and humane um, yeah. but a lot of people seem to have this idea of like that Elmer Fudd, you know, just kind of an idiot walking around the woods, but this is like so incredibly physically demanding, just like she said, just the hike around just to get to the deer is hard. And then she stood there for hour and a half, hour and a half, just in the blazing sun in August in Nevada. I mean, you can imagine how hot that is, no shade and just waiting for the deer to stand up. Wow. And it's a lot of discipline to sit there and wait and not make a noise and not sit down or not do something to screw up because you know how hard you work to get to that point. And then you just have to wait and you have no idea if it's going to be 10 minutes or four hours. We've sat on deer for four or five hours before, before they get up. So you talked about how this, the type of hunting and what you do at way up West outdoors, it's a 365 days a year. You're always preparing for the hunt. And tell me a little bit more about what that is like. Cause I heard Jess say, I know what the deer is going to do. I, you know, you know where that you, you kind of know their patterns and such mm-hmm. to those who have never done that before. What, what is that process like for you guys on a, just a day by day basis? How do you prepare for these hunts? Uh, oh my gosh. A little bit of everything. I yeah. mean, phys- I mean you, you, that's how you know us, the physical activity, you know, we, we crossfit, we run, we swim, we hike. Um, just keep ourselves in shape. Cause like we say, it's, it's super physically demanding. So, but we shoot our bows, we shoot our rifles. We spend a lot of time out in the woods, just watching and scouting deer. It's been years, years. and years and years of years. watching deer and elk and watching how they move. And then, I mean, it's still a guess, right? You're still like, well, I think we're going to go this way. And on that particular hunt that we've been talking about with hers, we guessed wrong for seven days in a row <laughs> before we guessed right on the eighth day. You know? Is that right? Is the yeah. charm for us. Yeah. We've killed a lot of animals on day eight. So. Wow. You know, I've, I've talked to a few um, Michelin star chefs, you know, and they've as, about how they prepare food. And one of the things I noticed from talking to them, when they're talking about uh, meat, there's a reverence in how they talk about it. In other words, the, what the animal is providing and, and how they don't want to waste and how preparing the food is, a, is an honor. And, I, I, and I've, I'll stop right there because I'm not a chef, but there's, a, there's something there. And I've heard you and looking at, at your how you treat the animals and how you talk about animals on Instagram. There's a certain reverence there. Um, am I overstating that? What give, give us a perspective on that? I think it's a it's a huge honor. And us in particular, you know, we used to take our meat to butchers and let them take care of it, and then we'd get it in a box, and then we'd eat it and feed our friends and family and us for the year. But now we've taken it to an, another level. We're we're scouting the animals. We're putting in work 365 days a year to be the best that we can be out there with our, with our weapons physically, with our gear, we've got our gear dialed in from packs to, you know, our clothing to scopes to binos, all that stuff. Um, And then it's, you know, putting in the work to find the animals, know where they are, know their habitat, 
from the time that it's alive to the time that it's in our freezer to the time that it's in our pan, nobody touches it but us. It was it was moving to me to carry that big buck off the mountain in Nevada. You know, it was, I put him in my pack. I put his meat in my pack. I carried my bow by hand and I hiked him through what he lived in to, you know, our razor, then to our camper, to the cooler, to home. I think it's a big honor thing for us. That's, that's something I really enjoy is being a part of that entire process yeah. instead of going to, you know, not trying to knock because not everybody has this opportunity, but, you know, going to going to the store and just buying a package of beef versus I, we can't, we literally cannot remember the last time we bought beef and brought it home. Like we go to, you know, we go to a restaurant and buy steak, but beef doesn't really live in this house. And we, everything, everything we eat in this house, unless it's chicken comes from wild game, which is, which is really cool. I think I like being a part of that entire process. It makes me feel a little better about eating meat. On your website, I'm, you, you talked about how physical fitness is something that you've really tried to focus on. You both have talked about it, but you identified that um, your lack of physical fitness uh, early on may have been responsible for not being as successful uh, in some of these hunts. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that, if, if I'm right. And and I'm asking because all of us have some pretty big goals to chase, and not all of us are going hunting for elk or or deer or bear, et cetera. But the physical side of things, as you're chasing some goals, I just want to get your perspective on what do you do and why do you do it? Uh, well, that story in particular, I think I was 16 years old and I was hunting with my brother and we hiked in, we bit a lot more off than we could chew. Um, I wasn't working out or anything like that. I threw, a, I did boy scouts. That's about as much experience in hiking as I had. And, uh, we threw packs on we dove in, I don't really, really far back into the back country in California. And I found a deer and I remember, um, I was going after the buck and I got to the point where I was so physically exhausted that I didn't even know if I could go back to camp from where I was. Uh, and I regrettably say that I quit on that deer and I headed back to camp because really? I was, yeah, I was so in my brain at the time, I was so physically depleted that I didn't think I could go any further and make it back to camp in the same night, because I'm sure I was afraid of the dark and, you know, inexperienced and all that crap. But, um, I remember the feeling of defeat walking back to camp and just like disgusted with myself. <laughs> And that was probably one of the big uh, turning points in my life where fitness became like, I was like, that is never going to happen again. Like the, the fact that my physical ability is inadequate to get to where I want to go is never going to happen again. I dove into just working out and then a few years later, dove into CrossFit and I took that whole CrossFit of uh, play all sports pretty deep to heart. So we run, swim, hike, lift, Olympic lift, gymnastics, a little bit of everything. I think it helps a lot. Yeah. And how, and just how does that help? What, what do you, what do you notice? I'm, I'm just curious. Oh yeah. There's yeah. He is a mountain goat in the mountains as you could probably imagine. He's very hard to keep up with. And I've had to really, I remember early on, I got so mad at him one time because, you know, I hiked with my dad, meaning like we didn't go very far from the truck, which was fine. Cause that was how his style of hunting, but you know, he's like, we're going to go to that peak and then we're going to go to the other side and then we're going to check that drainage and then we're going to go over here and then we're going to come back. Like it was just these big days. And, uh, I wasn't that great at hiking at first. And I remember him telling me that you're going to get better at hiking. And I got so mad. And then a few years later, I was like, you were right. But it, it, but it wasn't just the hiking. It was the CrossFit. It was the, you know, the running, the, um, we call it, it's called rucking when you just go hike with a heavy pack on for no reason other than to hike with a heavy pack on for fitness, you know, it was, you know, it's hiking with a pack is different than just hiking. You know, it's, it's different to put weight on your back, but 
um, I've had to really step up my game if I want to hunt with him because I do hold him back and I don't want to hold him back any more than what's acceptable for my little legs in the mountains. But, um, she does great. Don't let her forget too much. She's, I mean, I was, I, I was in the Marines, So, I mean, I was forced to hike really fast and I learned to hike really fast, but she, she can kick just about any other buddies butts in the mountains. So if I were, if you were to swing by Starbucks and pick me up on a Saturday to go on a hike or to go on a, no, to go on a hunt, what, what would I expect? What would, I just need to know, paint the picture for me. What would three days or seven days out there oh. with you guys, what's the day in the life? Um, oh. Jess, what, what, what is it like? I would say we would probably take you on a over-the-counter rifle cow hunt probably um cow elk which is the female elk for those of you that don't know um it would be we'd be picking you up probably the night before or early 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 in the morning like 3 a.m yeah get up early and it ends up being a lot of glassing i know it's uh and that's part of as well you hike to a peak where you can see and you glass and try to find them use your binoculars to yeah. do all the walking basically. Right. So you just, you're checking a lot, a lot of country. Cause they, I mean, they live in, they live in really big country and this time of year, they're living in country where they're almost belly deep in snow and belly deep in snow for them is hip deep snow. Oh so. my gosh. I'm living through you here, but physical, I can only imagine, but this whole thing you're doing sounds a lot like it's mental also. Oh yeah. In the, oh. So what is the mindset needed to do what you're doing? And then I want to talk to you about Way Up West Outdoors, your company, and why you're doing this. But what's the mental game of staying in the fight every every single day, every moment? That is, that's hard. Because um, when things aren't going well, we both have our dips in the hunts where we, you know, we're negative. We're in Nevada. I was so tired, so depleted, exhausted, frustrated, all of it. And you know, going home was two days away. And I felt like if nothing happened that day, that it wasn't going to happen. We were running out of time. You know, I was going to fail. I was, you know, fear of failure. And then, but that's why we have each other to, to balance that because like, you know, I'm feeling like this, but he's going to bring me out of that and say, you know, just let's keep at it. And it's just, neither of us have any quit in us. And so, but, you know, I would never quit a hunt. He would, we've never quit a hunt. And, um, but that's because the other person is there to pick the other one up when we're like that. Yeah. We definitely have our down days and they balance each other out. And I've had those days too, where it's like, screw it. We haven't seen anything. Let's get out of here. And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and vice versa. So yeah. being prepared to suffer. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, you're, you're either hot or you're cold and it's either windy or it's, you know, Raining, snowing, yeah, it's very rare that you're like, man, it's a really nice day. <laughs> yeah, there's something there, though, that I don't have it figured out yet with you two. When you say that, now my question is, then why do you do it? Why do you do that? When you say there is no quit, um, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone listening, or no, 99% of us listening. Yeah, I, I could see myself quitting pretty easily. <laughs> why do you do it? You know, um, so go, I just think he's in this Nevada hunt. This August is a great example. Um, I drew the tag. I worked really hard all spring, all summer to, you know, my, my thought process going into this hunt was I'm going to control everything that I can control. I'm going to control my physical fitness. I'm going to be tip top shape because it's brutal country. 
Um, I'm going to be really proficient with my bow. So when I do draw back on a, on a buck, it's going to be second nature. I'm not going to have to think about it. And my mental toughness, which was me getting out of bed on day. I work in Victor. So it's, you know, an hour and five commute. It's a 12 hour wow. day for me. Um, I was getting up at 4:45 in the morning to go and hit our garage gym to work out, to run, to lift, to run with a vest, to, you know, do everything before I went to work to make sure I got it in to be prepared for that. And that, that helped my mental toughness. Cause when that alarm went off at 4:45, uh, no, I'm a sleeper. I love to sleep. I could sleep till 10 AM every day and go to bed at 10 PM. And that was big for me to just suffer then. And, but what I thought about was the end goal that, that pinnacle, which is in bow hunting, in my opinion, in the, in the United States, I would say is a mule deer in August with a bow. That is really? probably one of the harder mule deer with a bow. Mule deer with a bow is, yeah. is, is probably the, the top thing. Tell, quick, tell, tell me why, why that would be the case. They're, they're called the gray ghost. Um, and they just disappear. I mean, literally. that's just literally, they are just, they live in thick country. Most of the time they live in really steep country, uh, big mature bucks. They just live in country. That's just really, really hard to access. They're not dumb. They're smart. They literally will live in sage or they'll live in, uh, where rocks. they can see all the way around them where they live in rocks. So every, any kind of approach is really loud. I mean, they're mule deer cause they got those giant ears, right? I mean, they can hear ridiculously well. They can smell really well. So you have to be coming from upwind. They can't see you and they can't hear you. So you have this little window that you have to stock in on them. And they lay in places where they're normally, they're bachelored up. They got multiple deer and they're looking different directions. I mean, you just add it all up. They, you can't call them in like you can with elk, but mule deer, you have to go to them. You absolutely have to go to them. Wow. So and that, and just what you were saying too, you got 25 yards from that. Yeah. From yeah. That buck. yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 20, 26, maybe 25, 26. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the end goal of that success, that putting meat in the freezer, that doing something hard and succeeding at it and all my hard work pays off. And mm. I, we talked when we were driving down to Nevada, I was like, I do not want to go home empty handed. I've worked so hard. I've, you know, we've worked so hard. Cause I mean, you know, he's my, he's my number one spotter while I'm there. So he's got to be there right along with me. But you know, it was this huge hunt. And I was like, I, I have to succeed so I wanted to go in there and I wanted to, I like the, the little bit of the, the, the girl side in me likes to do hard things as a girl that most guys don't do. And it feels really good to succeed being a female at these difficult things. And just so to put a perspective of kind of what this hunt was for people that don't understand. So uh, it was a Nevada hunt. We live in Idaho. So it's a non-resident hunt. So right off the bat, it's hard for us to draw that hunt. I think she had 4% draw odds. So they sort of draw what they say it's draw. It's like a lottery, right? There's, they give out so many tags, say they give out four tags and a hundred people put in for it out of state, four tags get to go to the non-residents. So she was one of those people that got one of those tags. She got really, really lucky. I've been putting in for that tag for like seven years and haven't drawn it. And I drew it on so, the first time. Ish, yeah. With like, <laughs> yeah. So so you got really lucky. So it's a big hunt. It's a big deal for that sense. Like it has really, uh, a high quality deer, big deer in that area. So it kind of puts pressure on it that way. Uh, and then on top of that, most of those hunts, like a success rate on even a hunt that's good is only like 20%. So, you know, two out of the 10 people that go there will actually harvest a deer. Um, so cause it's, it's just archery hunting, archery hunting is just hard. So it's just yeah. kind of what it is. Um, so when you get, it's the, the travel, the 
the tag she has in her pocket is highly coveted. So it kind of adds that pressure. And then it's just a hard hunt in general because it's an archery mule deer hunt. So all that kind of like. It's a recipe for failure and, you yeah. know, all the odds are stacked against you. And I wanted to go and succeed. And that's what I worked tirelessly day in and day out. Oh, I would say dang near every day, you know, yeah. minus a few days here and there from the second I drew that tag to harvesting that buck. Yeah. For that like, moment. Yeah. For that one moment of like, I did it. Yeah. That's great. Well, for everyone listening too, we all have goals. We're all chasing something. It could be something, a career or, you know, something, a hobby. Um, it could be a fitness goal. And I think there's a lot to learn here from Jess and Stephen about just putting in the work. There's no guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the point, isn't it? It's the point of actually do, putting in the work. There's growth that comes. You're just a different person as a result of putting in that work a year, a year later, the growth that comes actually is just part of the reward, isn't it? Stephen, what, what would you add to that? Do you agree with that ramble I just went on? Oh yeah. hundred percent. That's a great way to put it. I, uh, I don't really think I've thought about it that way just cause I'm so in, in twisted in like hunting, but she hit on that, do something hard. Um, I mean, I think that's the reason, another reason we do CrossFit is life can be very, very, very easy for all of us. Uh, but I know I'm, I, it's, doing something hard makes life way more gratifying. Um, putting your own meat in the freezer is doing something hard and it's gratifying. Um, and like you said, you get something out of it. That should be in a t-shirt. That should be some logo gear for you guys. I'm telling you, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> let's shift gears a bit. We've gone from the actual hunt. You're out there and you're, you're preparing, but then there's also this, this film and video and audio side that you're doing. In fact, You've had two films that have been selected for the Full Draw Film Tour, and that's similar to the Banff Film Fest and others. Um, tell me a little bit more about the videos and the films that you're making, because that's that's a huge accomplishment, what you're doing. So why we're doing it, the big why we're doing it is, like I said, so I've, I've been hunting. Uh, I started hunting in California, and a lot of it was duck hunting. And then once I started shifting gears into deer hunting, I was really leaning heavily on some big names of the industry um, that were willing to help people out. I remember in one particular, my very first Nevada deer hunt, I was, uh, 23 standing on top of a mountain. I found cell phone service. And I, I, um, I called a guy that I had been just kind of messaging back and forth with the help. And I was like, I was like day seven. I was like, dude, I got no idea what I'm doing up here. You know? And he took 20, 30 minutes on the phone, asked me how the hunt was going, talked me through what was going on and gave me some advice. And I ended up killing a buck the next day. How nice that guy was to take that much time to help me out to, so I can learn. It's kind of a big reason that we wanted to start the Instagram and the videos and all that stuff is uh, we want to be very honest and very truthful about how the hunting goes because it doesn't always end up in that perfect shot at 25 yards. Uh, there's two, there's a lot of people out there that I think make everything look perfect. And we kind of want to rebut that a little bit and show people like what, what happens when you don't make a perfect shot and you have to fix it. And um I guess what I'm trying to ramble about is basically we want to help people. I want to pass it forward. I want to help people um, when they want to get into the backcountry and they want to they want to get their first mule deer. I hope they call me when they're on top of the mountain so I can help them out because someone someone did it for me. So with the films, it's inspiration. Um, I get inspiration from other people that do the epic photography and epic films. It makes me want to get out in the woods more. And I yeah, I just the I guess the leading line of that is just want to pass it forward keep it going to the love it challenge. and the the video quality is just beautiful what what type of camera do you use for some of these shots because the, the low light is stunning and it's just really well done what what kind of camera are you um carrying with you well we're running two a7 threes sony's 
Um, and then that right now we're running a 70 to 200 2.8 and we're running a 16 to 35 2.8 for the lenses or for the lenses. So, okay. and then we got those Sony cause they are, they're low light beasts. So there's a lot of what we do is in low light. <laughs> yeah. Now for again, uh, on Instagram, way up West outdoors, you do have to check that out because then you'll see what I'm talking about. Hey, Jess, where, where should we go to follow you and Steven on all the work you're doing, the films, the adventures? Where, where should we go to learn more about you guys? I think just Instagram is probably the best place. Um, we do have a YouTube channel. It's the same thing, Way Up West Outdoors. You can really get to know us personally on those films, I think, because our true characters show through a little bit on, um, on those films. And where would we go to see the films? Uh, YouTube is is probably the the best place. We have all of our we have both of our full draw films on there. Um, there's a hunt from last year that um, it's called Full Circle and uh, Full Circle: The Return. So there's a two part film on there. It's we take my dad hunting. You know he he took me hunting as a kid, and then we basically took him hunting and took him to our spot, and you know took him into the elk, and and it was awesome. So there's a there's a two part short film on YouTube. That's uh, my dad and I, um, it's, it's a cool, it's good. Yeah. So Steven way up West outdoors. When I go and Jess, when I go to your website and Instagram, there's a brand there, there's a feel to it. How much thought and effort have you put into your brand as a company, as a couple, or is there not been much thought? There's no wrong answer. I'm just really curious, Steven. Uh, I'm going to say there wasn't much thought. <laughs> I think the only thing that we said going into this was, uh, like Jess was talking about was staying authentic to ourselves and not changing. We have seen that happen to other people in, in many industries, you know, as soon as someone starts paying attention to you, um, they change and become someone they weren't. And um, I think that's the only thing that we ever said was we set a rule for ourselves was like, we're not going to change. We're going to stay who we are. We're going to hunt to, because we love to hunt. If ever, if it ever becomes feeling like a job, then we're just going to shut it down because we don't need it luckily. So just being real people and sharing our, our adventures. And I think it, I think us sharing our adventures shows that we're very passionate about it. I don't think we have to say that we're passionate about it all the time on our Instagram posts. I think you can just see it, you know, we're, we're burning the midnight oil all the time. We're driving, you know, late to elk camp. We're, you know, waking up early to go elk hunting. We're just, we're getting it in anytime we can and working hard to be successful. A lot of insights you guys are giving us here as far as the, um, you know, you don't have to tell people, like you said, <laughs> that you're passionate about it. How about just do it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Let's stop talking about it and just do it. That's And that's what we try to do. Just... Our podcast, it's uh, I Dare You. And so many people listening in, again, they're, they're chasing a big goal, especially this time of year. They're thinking about what's next. What advice or what challenge do you have for all of us? Jess, what do you think? So obviously you have to just go for it. And I think it's got to be something you're passionate about or, or you believe in, or you, you know, something along those lines and you have to just go for it. But I think the biggest thing that we've stuck to throughout this whole thing is just being true to ourselves and being authentic and real because it's relatable to people. You know, we make mistakes and we're not afraid to show them. And I think that that is what people like about us because we're just, we're just regular people. We're just real. We have a life. We, you know, nothing is, you know, perfect for us. And we, we aren't afraid to show that. So I think being true to yourself and authentic and real will put you, will push you farther than trying to be something you're not. Thank you, Stephen. How about for you? What, what's your, I dare you challenge for all of us? I'll just have to like, just kind of go on that. Just go for it. We talked about it. We talked about doing something um, like with the Instagram and everything else, just 
And it's because she is unique. There's plenty of guys like me out there that hunt and then go hard. There's plenty of really good hunters out there. I'm not saying I'm a good hunter, but there's a lot of really like just dudes that are after it. Um, and the, really the difference was, is we're a husband wife combo. that's just after it. Um, so when I wanted to start something with Instagram, it was just kind of like, just, just go for it and send it. We didn't know what was going to come up or if it was going to come up anything and it's starting to kind of take off and explode. So, um, you never know. You just got to try great insights, great advice. You brought up the husband wife, uh, duo for Michelle and I, we've been married 33 years, but if we are hanging a picture we will probably we'll get in a bit of a disagreement. Oh, that's it's all so good, but we'll still, for a husband and wife duo out there for seven days in the hunt, making decisions, how is how is this helping uh, a strong marriage, or is it not? <laughs> um, you know, we don't really. We got. I could probably do a very probably a mildly short video of our arguments <laughs> on camera. Uh, you know we, what? Could I could I request that, please? Could I request? <laughs> that? We got some funny ones where, you know, looking at the camera, smiling, all of a sudden it's like, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, <laughs> so a little, little snap, you know, you know, after you're hot for a few days, you can get a little edgy. Oh. But, um, well, I, I'm not going to ask a follow-up. I'm sure there's stuff on camera that I've said that's probably not very nice, but. Oh, same. Yeah. So it happens, but it's, I think that goes back to the highest of the highs and lowest of the lows. I mean, you get back into the real world. There's not really much that kind of bugs us anymore. It's not that big of a deal. You do something Good. that hard out there and then you come here and then life's pretty easy here. Yeah. Life's pretty easy back at home. So Stephen and Jess, this has been a lot of fun getting to know you better, learning more about way up West outdoors and just learning more about why you're doing it and your passion for it just shines through. So it's just so cool what you're doing. And thanks for being here in the I dare you podcast. Thanks for having us, Darren. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is a cool podcast to do. Not like uh, talking to it like we have in the past. This is really interesting. So you got something cool here. All right, that was Stephen and Jess Lauder. That was fun. I'm glad you had a chance to get to know this really fun couple and to learn more about Way Up West Outdoors. So what's next? Well, now that you know them, I think you should follow them on Instagram at Way Up West Outdoors. You will not be disappointed. Check out all of their videos, and it's like being transported into the hunt, except you're probably sitting at home in the warmth of your home having a cup of coffee. But Regardless, make sure you follow them on Instagram. And you're going to agree, there's something here with these two. There is something here. And I can't wait to see where the next 10 years takes them. And now that you listened, who are you going to share this with? Whoever's on your mind, share it with them. They're going to love it. Also, subscribe to this podcast. And a favor I have for you. On Instagram, will you please screenshot this podcast episode right now? Tag at Way Up West Outdoors and tag at I Dare You Pod. And tell us what you love most about this episode. There's a lot, I know, but what are maybe the one thing or the two things that you love most about this or your biggest aha? Now, just an observation, when I talk to people like Stephen and Jess and across all industries or all vocations or all hobbies, there are these common themes that, that run throughout about setting goals and habits and consistency and accountability. And this episode is another reminder for me in a really fun way. So now get ready, everyone, for episode 50. Can you believe it? It's next week. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening and being part of our community over these 50 episodes. I appreciate you very much. And I'll see you right back here next week on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.